have your Bibles with you this morning, turn to Colossians. We would love to have you turn with us. Um, if you don't have a Bible or have an app or whatever, however you can find it, just uh, get to God's Word. And Colossians chapter 1 is where you will find our text today. Colossians chapter 1. And uh, I just, before we begin, want to say a thank you to everyone who showed up yesterday and worked so hard. The, uh, the front of the church looks so great. As you leave today, if you don't normally go out the front, and you can do and, and look at it. If not, as you, as you leave and pull out, go around Main Street and look at the front of the church there around the sign. It looks so great. And so we thank everyone for their hard work. Um, it, was a, it was a real task. I have muscles in my body that I didn't know existed that today I'm reminded are there. So Colossians chapter 1. And this morning, we're going to... Um, Mike is muted. All right. Are we good now? Okay. I think everybody can hear me. It's the radio. This is the bigger problem. All right. So this morning, we're going to talk about reconciliation. We're going to talk about reconciliation. What it means to be uh, reconciled in Christ. And this is a term that, uh, that we know. Not only can we be reconciled in Christ, but perhaps in your own life, you have gone through a period of time with, uh, with someone that you've loved, uh, perhaps a, a child or a parent or a extended family, and there has been some source of disunity, some issue, and you have been estranged from that person. It really hurts, doesn't it? I think probably all of us would say that there's times, some kind of an individual, some kind of a relationship that we've had, that we've, we've felt this tension, that perhaps you hadn't talked for a long time. And it hurts as much as you might think that you're in the right, because typically we always think that we're the right ones in this situation. It still hurts. There's a, there's a void there. There's a, there's a feeling there. There's a pain there. Perhaps right now today, there's individuals in your own life, maybe very close to you, that this distance is there, that there's this, uh, this alienation, there's this estrangement in the relationship. You know, the, the interesting thing about reconciliation is as much as it hurts to be estranged from people that we love, how much of a joy is it once that that relationship has been restored? Once we've truly been reconciled, once whatever it was has been overcome, forgiveness has been granted, and, and the love that's there. Um, I love hearing testimonies of individuals in their marriages who have gone through some really hard patches. I think of friends in the past that I've had that have even come to the point to where they had divorced, but then they came back together and they reconciled. And to hear them talk about that process and to hear them talk about their love for each other, it's, it's very encouraging, isn't it? And so we love to see that. We love to see reconciliation. And part of the reason why we love to see this is because this is what our hope is for ourselves in Christ, in, with our relationship with God. And that's the point in which, um, which we're going to look at today as Paul writes to the church at Colossae. He, he writes to them about, this, uh, about how we can be reconciled in Christ. 
How it is that we can be reconciled once to God, that though we were at odds with Him, we can now be reconciled. And you might not think, and most people don't think, that they are at odds with God, but I would encourage you to read Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5 is an incredible passage. And it begins and it says that we were enmity. We were at enmity with God. Not anemone. Right? Not that. But enmity. Enemies against God. That in our sinfulness, in our rejection of God and His love, in our rejection of Him as the, the rightful, supreme, ruler, sovereign God... We stand against the sovereign king of all the universe. That's a dangerous place, isn't it? And that's where we find ourselves without being forgiven in Christ, that our sin has caused enmity between God. Our sin has caused this disconnect between a relationship with God. That's what Paul describes in our text He's going to encourage us here that though we were formerly enemies, alienated from God, that because of His great love, if we come to place our faith in Christ, He has provided for us restoration. He has provided for us a way to be reconciled unto Himself. And not only has He provided a way for us to be reconciled unto Himself, but as reconciled people, there's an expectation for how we should live, for what this should mean in our life. If you have God's Word in front of you, I want you to to look with me as we look at this passage today. We're going to look at verses uh, 21 through 23. And this is God's Word. It says, And you, who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, He has now reconciled in His body of flesh by His death. Speaking of Jesus Christ, verses uh, 15 through 20, exalt and lift up Jesus higher than any other passage in all of the New Testament. That's what's in, in place here. Verse 22, He, Jesus, has now reconciled in His body of flesh by His death in order that to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before Him. If indeed you continue in the faith, Stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that that we know that the word that we have has been preserved for us as your words. That, Father, you have revealed yourself and you have spoken to us through your word that we may come to your word and learn from you. We may learn how to please you. We may learn how to live before you. Lord, I pray this morning that your word would penetrate our hearts. That your word, empowered by your spirit, would shape our minds and our actions. Father, that we may come to You and rejoice in You. Father, I pray today that as we think about reconciliation, that You would give us a great hope and a great joy, that we would have a great desire to serve You. Lord, teach us now through Your Word. 
Reveal it deep into us by your Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This text, to put it in perspective, we have to remember that uh, it's written because in Colossae, in the church there, there had been false teachers that had come in. Many within the church had left the teaching, had left the gospel um, that had been shared with the church, that the church had been established with. We're not sure exactly what the false teaching was. We have some hints from different indications. Obviously, from our passage that we looked at last week, there was a, a, a subordination. Jesus was, was lower. Than, than who he is. And so Paul writes and exalts Jesus Christ as preeminent over all things. As we come to this passage here, Paul reminds the church that they've been reconciled through Jesus Christ, through what he has done. And there is a, a warning and an encouragement here in light of, remember, keep in perspective, Paul is writing to a church that it, at one time, the church was all gathered together. They were all solid, unified in what they thought that the gospel was. False teachers have come in. Many have fallen away to follow those false teachers. There's a, a remnant left of believers that hold to the true gospel. And Paul, in that context, is writing to encourage them, if, if you have received that, if you have been reconciled to Christ, continue in it. Continue in the faith. Don't depart. In our own day, in our own age, there are many false gospels. There are many teachings that demote Christ to a subordinate position. There are many things that, that glorify the self, that appease sinfulness, that reject God for, for who He is. important for us today to remember to endure in the faith, to continue in the faith, to be built up. The same warning and encouragement that Paul writes here to the Colossians is important for us as well. So as we think about reconciliation and, and how it works and, and how we continue in it, the first thing that I want us to see from this text is the basis of reconciliation. The basis of reconciliation. We see this in Colossians 21, 21 through 22. Let me read this passage for you. It says, And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless above reproach before him. The first thing as we think about the basis of reconciliation is the fact that we need reconciliation because of our sin. We all need reconciliation because of our sin. Listen to verse 21. It says, And you who were once alienated and hostile in your mind doing evil deeds. He doesn't write and say, You guys were all pretty good beforehand. And you might look at this passage and you might be thinking, Now wait a minute, Paul. I'm not that bad. I'm not that bad. I wouldn't describe myself before I came to Jesus as alienated, hostile in the mind, doing evil deeds. That's harsh language, right? But the truth of Scripture, if we're going to be faithful to the Word of God, is that is exactly our position before we come to Christ. 
that we are sinners. We are alienated from God. We are hostile in our mind to God. You might not be as evil as the other guy, right? We all like to compare ourselves to, you know, like we'll throw out there, I'm not Hitler. Well, thank God there's not a lot of Hitlers. But are you like Jesus? Because Jesus is, is the one to which God would compare you to. Jesus is the man who lived perfectly before God is our example. So the Bible talks about this representation of Jesus, and it talks about the first Adam, which is Adam in the garden that fell. We're like him. And it talks about the second Adam, Jesus Christ, who came and lived perfectly before God, who lived sinlessly before God. Are you like him? No. See, the truth of it is, no one can ever be reconciled until they realize that there is enmity between themselves and another party. Right? No one can be reconciled until they realize the, the, the truth of the separation that lies between them, even in your own personal relationships. How much more so with God? And the truth of Scripture is that as God reveals to us through the good news of Jesus Christ that we can be saved, that we are estranged from Him, that we are hostile in our minds, that we repent and believe. What's that repent part? The repent part is to say, I am a sinner. I have sinned against you. I, have, uh, I, I, I don't have a relationship with you. Please restore it. I want to follow you. We all need reconciliation because of our sin. That's the first thing to understanding the basis of reconciliation in, in salvation is that in our natural state, we are incapable of pleasing God. Yeah, you can clean up the outside, but on the inside, your heart is still against God. You don't desire to know Him. You don't desire to love Him. You might not be as bad as a Hitler, but you're not as good as Jesus. The good news in every passage of the New Testament concerning salvation, you know what the amazing thing is? God never once says, clean yourself up. He says, Jesus died for your sins. That's the second thing we notice as we look at the basis of reconciliation is that God reconciled us through Christ. God reconciled us through Christ. Look at, at verse 22 and notice that it's God who takes the initiative here. It's God who takes the initiative. It says, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by death. Romans chapter 5 puts it this way. Paul writes there and he says, for while we were enemies... We were reconciled to God through the death of His Son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved by His life? And not only this, but we exult in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Friends, the only way, the only way that you can be reconciled to God, the only way that your sinfulness against Him, the only way that you're standing within the, the first Adam can be overcome, that a relationship can be restored to God, that His love can pour through you and in you and shape you. The only way is through Jesus. 
It is through coming to Jesus, through understanding and accepting the substitutionary death of Jesus. This is what Easter's all about. We're coming into the, the Easter season. What, what Easter is all about is that Jesus Christ hangs on a cross, that Jesus Christ dies. And not for his sin, but for yours. Do you realize that? Do you recognize that? Do you believe that? Have you, have you come to a point to where you realize that I am a sinner before God? I have committed sin. I am guilty before God. I need that taken care of. And to accept Jesus and say, I can never take care of that. But I believe that as you hung on that cross, as the, the Word of God says... 2 Corinthians 5.21 He made Him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God. The great exchange. Jesus' righteousness for our unrighteousness. Jesus' sinlessness for for our sinfulness. Jesus' life for our death. Friends, there's one way to salvation, and it is through Jesus Christ. This is the way that God has reconciled us back to Himself. You must believe. You must repent. You must have faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior. That's the basis for reconciliation. As much as reconciliation is positional, Right, Everything we've talked about, about Jesus dying in our place, our belief in Him, that, that really falls under a, a theological category of justification, atonement. We can talk about it from those aspects. You know, What does it mean that positionally I no longer have sin, that I'm found righteous in Jesus because what He did for me? Uh, what does it mean that God made the sin that I did right? How did He do that? But when we talk about reconciliation, it's more of a broad term. Reconciliation, being reconciled to God, it involves those individual theological aspects that you can look at, things like atonement and justification. But the nice thing, the, the wonderful thing about reconciliation is it's a relational word. Do you get that? It's not just a legal word. There's a lot of legal words that talk about salvation and what's happening. Those are great and wonderful things, and I hope that we, we try to seek that out and understand that. But when you're reconciled to somebody, if, if your child goes astray and there's this big disunity in the relationship and at some point you come together and, and they say, you know, I'm so sorry for the way I treated you. And you say, I'm, I'm sorry for the way that I reacted. Uh, and you have this, you're reconciled. Do you sit back with your child then and say, I am so glad we made amends. <laughs> you say, I love you. You enjoy the relationship. You enjoy the fellowship. You, you enjoy having that person in your life. That's reconciliation, right? It's not, just a, it's not just a legal atonement, but it is a relationship. And this verse gives us great hope. It gives us great hope that not only can we be saved, not only can we positionally be justified through what Jesus Christ has done, but we can have a loving, wonderful relationship with God because we have been reconciled through Jesus. Amen? That the living God we can have a relationship with. 
That we can experience his love in our life. We can be connected to him. We can have things like hope and peace and love. Because we've been reconciled to him. But before you can be reconciled, you have to see that you're alienated. You have to see that there is a separation. Have you seen that? Can you admit that? Can you come and say, I am separated by God because of my sin? I am, I am worthy of His judgment. I'm hopeless without Jesus. Praise God that He has reconciled us. That's the basis of reconciliation. The uh, second thing I want you to look at in this text is the goal of reconciliation. The goal of reconciliation. Look at uh, the second part of verse 22. It says, He is able to make you stand in the presence of His glory. Or sorry, that's Jude. <laughs> it says that He is in order to present you before Him holy and blameless beyond reproach. Jude uh, 24 states it like this, to make you stand in the presence of His glory blameless with great joy. You know, it's, it's a rare thing to know somebody in your life that you would say, that's a, that's a blameless person. And we might know some people like that, that, that from what we see and our interactions with them, we would say, you know, I could, find, I could never find a fault in that person. What a great, honest, you know, just upstanding, you know, blameless person. You've got to remember, as God looks at us, he sees not only our actions, but he sees our motives, our intentions, our heart. So it's something for God's purpose to say that he wants to see you blameless. How does that, how does that happen? How do we do that? I, I, I know I'm not there. I, I know, mind blown, right? The pastor's not blameless, yeah? Here, I sin. <laughs> I need Jesus. Ask my wife. Or my kids. So what's he talking about? How is it that, that God's goal here, how is it that we can be blameless, perfect, all these things that it talks about? And to understand it, we have to understand the Bible talks about uh, sanctification, being made like Jesus, being, being made in the image of Christ in, in three ways, in three ways. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run through it real quick because this, this is a whole sermon within itself. But the first way that the Bible talks about sanctification is positional, positional sanctification. And so what this means is that we were estranged from God. We were sinners. We were worthy of God's punishment, which is hell. But through Jesus and what he's done and our belief in him, we have been sanctified. We positionally have been taken from unbeliever to believer. We have positionally been taken from one who is estranged from God to one who is reconciled from God. We have been taken from, from sinner to Christian. That's positional sanctification. Positionally, as God looks at us, he sees not our sin, but Jesus Christ's righteousness in our place. The great exchange. He who knew no sin became sin for us. He took my sin upon him on the cross so that as I look at Easter 
and I look at Jesus on the cross, I don't go, there's Jesus dying on the cross for sins. I say, there's Jesus dying on the cross for my sin. There's a difference. That's positional sanctification. Second way the Bible talks about sanctification is progressive. A progressive sanctification. And, and this is that as we have come to know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, as the Holy Spirit dwells within us, that there should be ongoing obedience in our life. We should be able to look back and say, uh, I became a Christian years ago, and I'm not where I want to be, but I can see that through the years, God has changed me. He's grown me. I've grown as a disciple. Things that I used to struggle with, I don't struggle with now. Now I've got new struggles. But I can see that, that, that in my life, I'm becoming more like Christ. That should be our goal. Our goal is, is that, that we're not saved by the works that we do. We're not saved by our goodness. You will never be able to earn your own salvation. But as we trust in Jesus, as we love Him, we want to serve Him, we want to obey God. And as we do that, our life, it's part of what God is doing in us and part of what our effort to become more like Christ, we become more and more sanctified, this process. And it, it doesn't look like a straight line going up a chart. It looks more like a roller coaster. So let me give you hope. If you're in a place where you say, you know, I used to feel like I was more obedient. I used to feel like I was more like Christ. I used to feel like I was more in tune with my relationship with the Lord. And, and now I found myself in sin. Don't give up. Because what you'll find over years, over your life of walking with Christ, is that sanctification is like a roller coaster. But it should continually, even through our ups and downs, we should be growing more like Christ if we know Him. The third way that the Bible talks about sanctification, which is what this passage is talking about, is our final sanctification or glorification. Sometimes it talks about the fact that ultimately one day the goal that God has for us in, in this reconciliation and in calling us to Christ is that one day, one day, Either when Jesus comes back and He sets it all straight, or when we die and we go to heaven, this body of death, this sinful nature that we wrestle with, even as believers, will be done away with and we will be made like Christ. There's going to be a day where we don't sin. Are you looking forward to that? I mean, I can't imagine it. Like, I sit sometimes and I think, like, what would it be like if there was no sin? I can't even think. Because we're so, the sin is so much around us and in us and through our culture. It's going to be wonderful. It's going to be amazing. And friends, let me, let me just encourage you as you deal with yourself, as you deal with others, that final perfection does not happen while you're alive on this earth. So don't look at brothers and sisters in Christ who struggle, who maybe sin, who have an issue, who something comes up and just write them off. Realize, it's that roller coaster, right? God is making us more like Christ progressively. One day we'll get there. But we're not there yet. I love 1 John. There's a passage that says, uh, My little children, I write to you that you may not sin. Yeah, that's, that's the pastor standing in front of you saying, Don't sin. Don't sin. Don't do 
But it goes on. But if you do, there's forgiveness in Jesus. That's the way that we should think about this. There's going to come a day when there will not be sin, but until we reach that day, there is going to be sin. There's going to be struggles. Our encouragement for ourselves, our encouragement for others is don't sin. But if you do, turn to Jesus quickly. Ask for repentance. Get that restored. So God's goal in in reconciliation is that we would be like Christ. And ultimately, the ultimate reconciliation is that we are, uh, we are blameless in him because Jesus Christ will remove all of our sins and all of our guilt. And one day, God will remove this sinfulness completely from us, this sin nature. The third thing that I want us to see is the responsibility of the reconciled. So we've seen the basis of reconciliation. We've seen uh, the purpose of reconciliation. Let's look at the responsibility of us who are reconciled. Colossians 23, it says, If indeed you continue in the faith, firmly established and steadfast, not moved away from the hope of the gospel that you have heard, which was proclaimed in all of creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, was made a minister. In this text, Paul gives us three aspects that we can think about, about our, our responsibility as reconciled people. The first is that we should be growing in the hope of the gospel. We should be growing in the gospel. Paul says, if indeed you continue in the faith, it could mean here your, your personal faith, but I think what it's saying here in light of the, the teaching and the, the situation of the church and people falling away is that you're continuing in the gospel, You're continuing in that which was delivered to you. So many have fallen away, but you need to continue in that. Paul is is giving a warning and and kind of an encouragement here at the same time in the midst of of watching individuals that were part of the body of Christ, part of the church that that fell away and, 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 and went for every kind of theology that blowed. They they don't think Jesus is is preeminent over all things. All of these issues that this church is dealing with, Paul says, continue in the faith. Friends, I want to encourage you. Continue in the faith. Continue in the faith. It wouldn't be hard for us. It wouldn't be hard for us to start looking around at every issue we could say. And big ones, groups that say that they follow Jesus Christ, but the Jesus that they follow isn't the Jesus that you find in the Bible. It wouldn't be hard for us to probably begin to name individuals in our own life that, that have fallen away. Perhaps they've fallen away because of false doctrine. Perhaps they've, they've fallen away of, from faithfulness because of sinfulness in, in their own life. You think of that passage that, uh, where Jesus is talking about the man who's out sowing the seeds, right? And for different ways, the, the things that spring up are carried away. And we see that, we experience that. It's easy to get discouraged when we see individuals fall away. Paul writes to the church here, and and we should take heed ourselves that as we see that, we need to become even more firm. 
We need to understand our faith more. We need to realize I need Christ. I need to be uh, sensitive to Him and follow the Spirit that I might not fall away. And the mark of that in our life is that we should continually be growing in the hope of the gospel. That we are uh, continually growing in the hope of the gospel. Are, are you doing that? If you, as you look at your life again, it's going to be a roller coaster. But are you continually trusting more and more in Jesus? Are you continually wanting to give more of your life to Christ? Are you being convicted by the Spirit? You know, people come to me all the time and they're, they're tore up over their sins. I love Jesus, but I keep doing this. I'm having this struggle. I'm like, amen, that is good. Because the worst thing that could happen in your life is for you to become jaded against sinfulness and say, eh, it really doesn't matter. Right? I'm reconciled to God. It doesn't matter. You know, that's what Paul's writing against here. He's writing against this flippant attitude that says, it doesn't matter what I do because Jesus reconciled me. He writes it. He says, no, continue in the gospel. Continue to grow in hope. Continue in the gospel. Truly reconciled people are people who continue to grow in the hope of their gospel. People who are not truly reconciled to God are the ones who, for some reason, make a profession, who for some reason, for, for a moment, believe, and then they fall away and they don't care and they say, sin doesn't matter. That's tough to deal with right there. Because we all know individuals that fall in that category. The Bible tells us that where we have hope is when we see people that are growing continually in the hope in the gospel, who are staying firm. Maybe they're struggling, but they're continuing. The second thing that it shows us here is um, in, in light of false teaching to hold to the gospel. It says, not moved away from the hope of the gospel that you have heard? Are you established? Are you rooted? Do you know the Bible? Are, are you working? Do you have a desire to know the Word of God? I hope that you do. I'm always here if you have resources. I got, I got books and books and books. I've got books about how to read books, okay? I, I've got things that I can help you. That's why we teach on Wednesday nights. That's why we teach on Sunday nights. I, as your pastor, want to, want to pour what God has poured into me in, 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 in all of my study at school and, and life and experience and ministering to others. I, I want you to be fed so that you're established, so that you know, so that you can endure because it's tricky out there. It's difficult. You can turn on Christian radio and hear a lot of unchristian things. Do you know? You know, they say that, that people at a bank can spot a, a fake $20 bill like that. And the reason that they can is because they handle them all day long. Friends, the only way that you're going to be able to spot false teaching is if you know the true teaching. Are we being built up? Are we growing in the Word? The third thing that he says... As we, as we think about what this means is that we proclaim the gospel. We not only are receivers of reconciliation, but if we are truly reconciled, our responsibility is also to proclaim that message. Look at verse 23, the end of it. It says, which was proclaimed to all creation under heaven and of which I, Paul, 
was made a minister. Now, this idea of it being uh, all creation, I, I don't think that Paul literally says that I made sure that every person living received the gospel. But what he's saying is for their little world starting in Jerusalem, they're seeing the gospel now being proclaimed everywhere to people that they would have never imagined it would have been taken to. You know, the idea of minister there is not a special word of people who are ordained. The idea of minister there simply means a servant. If you've believed the gospel, you become a servant of the gospel. You become a servant of Christ. You know, if you're a servant, obedience isn't optional, is it? It's not optional. If you know Christ as your Savior, you're an ambassador of Him. You're to be a witness of Him. Are you telling people about Jesus? Let me just challenge you. It's Easter season. People are thinking about Jesus. Your neighbors, your friends, your families, your co-workers. Would you begin to think of three people to pray for every day that you know that are in your life that you could say, hey, why don't you come to church with me on Easter? It's an easy invite. It's an easy invite. Would you begin to pray about that? Would you begin to think about that? Would you begin to be one who would proclaim this message of reconciliation? Uh, if, if we're reconciled, if we have this relationship with God, wouldn't we want others to know and experience that also? Would you begin to pray about that? Who are those three people that you could invite? Who are those three people that you could begin to pray for every day? that they might experience this reconciliation, that they might have a relationship restored with God. There's a few different ways that you can apply this message. First and foremost, if you've never been reconciled to God by trusting in Jesus Christ and His sacrifice, I, I, I can't say enough how much if the, if the Spirit is convicting you that you need to trust in Jesus today to do that. There's an old quote concerning this that I love. It says, you cannot repent too soon because you don't know how too soon might be too late. If God has put that on you, if you know that you need to trust in Jesus, if you're here in this room, if you're listening on the radio, would you call out to Him? Would you ask Him to save you? Would you contact us or come forward or respond in some way that we might know that we can help you begin a walk in Christ, to help, uh, help you be established in Christ, that you may not be moved away and, and carried away, but that you can grow in Him? If you're grounded in the faith, or, or if, you're, if you're a believer, if you're reconciled, but you're not grounded in the faith, would you today in response pray to the Lord and say, I want to get serious. I want to begin to study something. I want to begin to know and understand more about salvation. And the third way I want us to respond is if, if, if you are a reconciled person, but you would say, I would have no idea how to lead someone to the Lord. I want you to to begin to, to ask, Lord, would you show me what it means to be a witness? how I can be a witness, how I can share the gospel with others. As your pastor, you can come to me and ask. We're going to have um, our next series that we're going to begin on Sunday nights is going to be about sharing your faith. 
How, how is it that you share your faith? How can you do that? And simple way, not, a, not, a, uh, not, not some kind of a memorized <laughs> speech that you do, but how through just regular conversations that you have with individuals can you lead to, to be able to share your faith and give hope and share your, your testimony as a witness that they might come to know Jesus? Man, it's good to be reconciled, isn't it? Praise God that He has made reconciliation possible through Christ. May we not take it for granted. May we continue in the faith. May we continue to grow in our love and our knowledge in Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank You for this great love. We thank You that You have called us to Christ. We thank You that You have made possible for us that we may be reconciled, that You that you are the just and the justifier for those who have faith in Jesus, that you have provided a way that we may be saved. Father, help us to always remember that we were once estranged from you, but that you took the initiative through Jesus. May we continue and endure in the faith. Lord, we pray that we would continue to grow as disciples, that our sanctification would continue to increase, that we may know you more and more every day, that we may grow in grace, for we want to please you and love you, that one day we'll be blameless because of Jesus. Father, help us to endure. Lord, I pray this morning you would call those unto yourself who do not know you, who need reconciliation, that they would today be bold enough to trust in Jesus Christ as their Savior. For those of us who know you, may we continue to desire to grow in the faith and the knowledge that we may be built up and and firm on our foundation of Christ. And Lord, I pray for all of us that you would help us to be witnesses to be witnesses to those who you've placed in our life through various ways, that we may be ambassadors of Christ, that not only through our actions may we be seen faithful, but by our words may we speak the word of life. And, Father, that you would receive great glory in calling sinners to yourself. Be with us now as we respond. Guide us through your Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.